Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness. Your hosts are Dave Shep, life coach, author, and healer, Trevor Powers, entrepreneur, athlete, and family man, Connor Burton, trainer, competitive bodybuilder, and kinesiologist, Josh Sargent, strength coach, graduate researcher, and educator. Blue Collar's mission is to bring reputable information to the masses. There's so much misinformation in the fitness industry. We want to shake things up and help you navigate the information to add value to your health, career, family life, and fitness goals. We hope you enjoy today's show. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness. On today's episode, we have, we have a treat for you. We have a legend in bodybuilding. He's known for having the biggest arms in bodybuilding history. He has competed in over 55 bodybuilding competitions. He's done drag racing. He's a legend. He is Mr. Lee Priest today. So Lee Priest, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you just talked about you, uh, you. you did some cardio today. You did some leg curls. What's, what's going on today? <laughs> Yeah, you know, just get up at four o'clock and start the day and go to the gym, train, do cardio, then run around, do some laundry, wash the car, get back home, go take the wife somewhere, then back home again. And, you know, general duties like that. But, you know, when you say legend, does that just mean old, doesn't it, these days? Or what? <laughs> um, it's, it's up to your... Before you said biggest... Uh, before you're going to say biggest mouth in the sport. <laughs> <laughs> There's that as well. Biggest troll. What time yeah. is it over there? It's uh, It's got to be, is it pretty late for you over there in Australia? No, it's about what, a bit after 1.30 on Thursday afternoon. Oh, not bad. Well, in that case, Lee, if, if, you, if you, like you said, you're old, you might be going to bed pretty soon. <laughs> I should. I normally go to bed at 8 o'clock now, so because, you know, I always used to laugh at my grandparents going to bed early, but now as you get older, you go to bed earlier than get up earlier. So <laughs> must be old because that's exactly what I do. <laughs> well, my friends hate me. They always say I, 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 for, my friends ask me to go out for dinner, but you know, my dinner's like at four or five. If they say dinner's at seven or eight o'clock, I'm not going out. That's when I'm getting home and going to bed. So I'm not a night person. Lee, I had a kind of a pressing question. I read your book, uh, Believe in Yourself, and uh-huh. I really enjoyed it. Um, it inspired me a lot, and it was, it was a lot of fun. So thank you so much for, for writing that. And uh, um, thank you. the question that we all want to know is uh, if, if you had, like, you're a huge fan of Superman, you actually got um, a chance to possibly be Bane in Batman Forever in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. If you had a choice... If you had a choice, which which superhero would you be? Superman or He-Man? Neither. Oh, or uh, Batman. I'd be the, the Punisher. I like that. I like Punisher. that sort of. I like that sort of demented vigilante, vengeance type person who can be nice, but then just snaps and goes off and kills people just because they've done bad or something. So. I've always liked the Punisher. And then normally when I did like <laughs> Superman, I'd tell people I liked the Punisher. And I'd, even back in the 90s, I'd try and go towards the Punisher. But then people go, well, you can't do that. You're Superman. We like you as Superman. But it's like, I like the ones that have that sort of good and evil side. They're sort of, you know, 
that's why even when the when I used to watch Batman, I liked Batman, but then I always used to like the Joker. And then like Jack Nicholson played a great Joker. And then when they said Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, people mm-hmm. were like, oh, no one's going to be better than Jack Nicholson. But then when Heath Ledger was the joke, you're like, now that was pretty cool the way Heath Ledger played that part. So it was pretty good. A lot of people would say that you're you're kind of a, a joker when it comes to when it comes to some of the uh, some of the the ways that or wait the joker the in bodybuilding yeah yeah the joker yeah. bodybuilding but what, there was a show where where the the placements got they were incorrect and oh, yeah, the ninety seven Olympia yeah yeah that one and then you uh, who who was it that you talked to and you almost cost a fight. <laughs> It's like uh, Paul Delet, yeah, because Paul, Paul was fourth and I was fifth and Kevin was sixth. And then after the show, they'd changed the placing after the show. So I heard about it on the bus to the banquet and Paul hadn't heard about it. So when I was got to the banquet, I said to Paul, hey, you hear about mm. the placings? They changed them. And Paul's like, what? I said, yeah, you got moved down from fourth to fifth. I got moved from fifth to sixth and Kevin got moved from sixth to fourth. And just be, that one little placing... Paul lost $20,000. He's like, who did that? I said, Wayne did. I said, Wayne changed it. He goes, where's Wayne? I'm like, he's over there. <laughs> so Paul was like, had him by the neck up against the wall and shit. So yeah, I've always been a joke. I was always the class clown. I was always the one, you know, just making, I've never taken life too serious. I was like, yeah, there's serious, thing, there's serious <laughs> things in life, but I always prefer to joke about stuff and, you know, just have a laugh because the world is so crazy these days. If you can't, laugh at the shit that's going on you'll go mad <laughs> i agree i definitely agree i just want to thank you a lot for uh speaking about like people taking stuff too serious like there was a time in college where i was feeling um a little kind of depressed and lost and i, I watched uh your dvd videos like another blonde myth or whatever that one was like it was really it was really uh-huh. cool of you to show your authentic self you were really good at like you know being casual and having humor and it was, just, it was fun to watch each train uh-huh. and eat and kind of like, you know, joke around. And I feel like that was something that was unique about you in the IFBB and that made you stand out. And maybe that's what uh, made you a target too. But thank you for yeah. putting out your uh-huh. content and being a, a big inspiration for me in bodybuilding. Uh, thank you. I, well, I just found that, you know, when you really look at bodybuilding, it can be like, you know, you can take the training serious and the dieting serious. But, you know, if, you, if you're just watching training and dieting, it gets pretty fucking boring, you know, watching... People say to me now, Lee, do a chest training video. I'm like, why? I said, my chest training hasn't changed from 20 years ago. I'll be doing the same exercises. Now I'm just a fucking old man doing the same exercises. So, you know, it's not going to be that exciting. So that's why I try and put a bit of comedy or I'd have stuff at home. I prefer, you know, it's like you can watch someone train chest, but I think people too like to see the real side of people, see them outside the gym, see them at home, see how they really are. And when I say how they really are, actually be yourself you know we have a lot of these reality shows now where that's all fake and bullshit that's not how they really are they're just putting it on for the cameras or they're putting it on to get followers and shit like that they're just fake in society and fake on the internet but whereas mm-hmm. i've always been myself that's why i probably polarize a lot of people you either like me or you hate me either way it doesn't bother me but i'm not going to change just to fit into a category just so people like me i'm just going to be who i am and you know, I love the haters too, because the haters always get your new followers and they always say they hate you. But I was on live on Instagram today and the haters just stay on there talking to me and they're like, oh, Lou, you're a dickhead, you're a knob, you're this shit out. And they just keep talking. I think, well, if I'm a dickhead and a knob, okay, I'll agree I'm a dickhead and a knob, but 
you must be a bigger <laughs> dickhead because you're still there fucking talking to this dickhead and you haven't gone away and you follow me. So it's like there's so many people I dislike in in the world. I don't follow them on Instagram. I'd never go on their live. Well, not even if I don't dislike them. It's just say I'm not interested in it. Like tennis, I'm not interested in tennis. And like if Dokovic was on fucking Instagram live, I'm not going to go on and say, oh, your backhand sucks. You fucking suck at serving. You're a dickhead. You're this. It's like <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the time to even waste my time following someone that I wasn't interested in and then to sit there and just talk shit to them. I'm thinking, you know, these, these haters, I think they're secretly, you know, I think they got the lube and the tissues as they're talking to me half the time. But, you know, hey, if I bring them joy, that's all that matters. That's all I say. <laughs> <laughs> they help the algorithm, man. They help you get more, uh, <laughs> more views. There's one question what, what? that I've been thinking about since actually when I started following bodybuilding about about 15 years ago and uh it's head to head you in your prime flex lewis in your prime who, who would win <laughs> me of me of course me of course no, that's funny there because you go. <laughs> flex and i <laughs> flex and i always chat well, that's one of the things we joke about when he puts up ask me a question i always write to him who would have won you or lee i know you've never been asked this before so we have that running joke between him and me all the time. I was like, I couldn't say because Flex is a great bodybuilder. He has conditioning and that, you know, back in my day, I was never into the, you know, ripped glutes and that, whereas his glutes were hard. And then, but come the universe, my last show, my hammies and glutes were hard. So it'd be a good contest. It'd be hard to say, like I could go either way on the day. So he could beat me. I could beat him. It'd be one of those things. It'd be great to see, but I wouldn't say I'd beat him clearly because he'd probably beat me or, Whoever, so I just think it'd be a great contest anyway, like me at my best and him at his best. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I wish he would have competed at this year's Olympia. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a shame he didn't get a chance to, uh, yeah, compete as one of the you know, the, the, the current as you were, Lee, you, you were uh, a giant killer taken after Danny Padilla. And now Flex uh -huh. Lewis has the opportunity. It's do you think he could uh, beat Big Ramy potentially? Uh, well, I prefer, like, Rami's big. You can't take nothing away from Rami being big, but I just look at Flex and see him more complete. He has the thickness. He has that muscle quality, and he gets that conditioning. And to me, from head to toe, Flex looks like, you know, he's got the shoulders, the chest, the back, the quads, the calves, just the shape, whereas Rami has the huge quads, but then there's just some body parts to me that don't flow as well as Flex's do. So it would be a great show to see. I would have loved I, I would have. Flex at his best in the Olympia last year. I would have had him in the top three. Where in the top three, that would come down to the judges. But I could have easily seen him being in the top three. And then you have Ruli that wasn't there. To me, Ruli's sort of like mm -hmm. Rami. I don't think we're still seeing 100% Ruli yet. Like sometimes leading up to the show, we see him and we think, oh, holy hell, look at him. He's going to do great. And then the day to show you like, oh, fuck, what the hell happened? But, you know, I don't think we're seeing Ruli at his best yet on stage. So. There's a few people missing from that lineup who I think could still push Rami. Even though Rami has that size, he's got to be careful now that you don't keep pushing that size thing and sacrifice the conditioning again or mm -hmm. get too big get too big in the wrong areas. So Yeah, I think uh Rolly's always everybody thinks he's gonna win the Olympia with that classic uh mirror mm -hmm. pick he takes over there mm -hmm. at <laughs> Oxygen Gym. Yeah. He's got that like the perfect angle, you know, on the perfect yeah. pump <laughs> anabolic lighting. Yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. if, if you were if you were competing today, with the knowledge you have mm -hmm. now, is there anything you would do different than you did 
uh, back when you were competing? Uh, maybe go for a bit more conditioning in the glutes because that's what they seem they're looking for. Because when I got into bodybuilding, I remember looking at Tom Platts and saying, man, I want quads like that. Eddie Robinson is like, I want arms like that. I never once looked at a guy's ass and said, I want an ass like that. So, but there seems to be a lot of emphasis on the, on the glutes, glutes. today. So I, exactly. But no, I don't think so. Cause even when it came to the drug side, I always use minimal, even though people tell me I've used large amounts, I've always used minimal amounts. And the one time I did try a, a bit more when I did go up to like 800 of testosterone, I felt like shit. And I went back to 400 and felt good again. So even the drug side, like I never used insulin. I wasn't interested in it. When people, they would always say, Lee, but imagine if you did, imagine if you did. Okay, well, imagine if I did. I could be shit today. I could have kidney problems today. I could have mm-hmm. liver problems today. So doing what I did and getting where I got, I was quite satisfied with that because I'm a realist. I People are like, oh, you're just pissed off because you never won the Olympia. It's like, no, I'm a realist. I knew I'd never win the Olympia. To me, like when you watch my videos, you'd see me, I'm like, what are you training for, Lee? I'm like, I'm training for eighth place at the Olympia. People are like, you should be more positive. I'm like, hey, look, I aim for 10. Because back in those days, if you got top 10, that qualified you for next year. So if I aim for number 10 and I got eight for seven for six, to me, that was a bonus. So I knew I was never going to win the Olympia. So a couple of times I did get in the top six. Hey, to me, that was just like winning for being, you know, short of stature and, you know, being outmassed by... 50 60 pounds you know i was quite happy to be in the top six there or a few of those other shows where i've beat ronnie cormier and dexter and all that it was like i was quite happy with what i did so i don't think i'd change anything even knowing what i know now like to me you can only do as you know as as good as what you got but you know to me it wouldn't be pushing the envelope just never made sense to me and i think sadly today people think that the drug side of it is more you know back when i got into it, it was all about the training train your ass off, eat like a fucking horse or whatever, just keep pushing the food in. And then if you've got the genetics and you can go that far, then go to that side with the drugs. But sadly, now people put the drugs first. They don't train properly. They don't eat properly. And then, like I said, it's like putting the cart before the horse. And now you've got a lot of these young kids who, at the early ages of 18, 19, who are getting on the drugs or whatever, there's no foundation work. So they don't know how far they could have gone naturally. I always say you've got it because I started competing at 13. So I was winning contests at 13 up until 19 and 19 is when I first started. People go, well, why'd you start taking it so young? Well, it's like, well, from 13 to 19, I didn't use any. At 19, I took Becca for the first time. Then you have to remember at 19, just before I turned 20, I was going professional. So it's like, okay, I've got great genetics. And so do the professionals. If the professionals have great genetics on drugs, I just can't go in with great genetics. Sadly, I'm going to have to take the drugs just to keep up with them. So that's why at 19, I took them because, but yet I'd already done that, you know, seven years foundation work. But if you don't do that foundation work, then they'll have far you can naturally go. And especially when you're young, that's when your testosterone level is at its best. Who wants to take, I see these young kids, 17, 18, taking tests. I'm like, your natural testosterone level should be through the roof. Taking an artificial test, you're just shutting your own system down. Why would you want to do that to your body? So but sadly, they go online. I'd, I'd done some seminars in England and I'd ask some young kids, what are they taking? And there were young kids over there taking between two and five grams of test a week. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, where'd you get that from? Or online, it says this. I'm like, who the fuck's putting that online? I said, you just believe everything you read on the internet. It's, it's just crazy. I remember seeing uh, the Tom Platts interview with you 
you're the uh, only one that didn't you didn't blur your face out yep. mm-hmm. and i think yeah. that was really that was really educational for a lot of people because to see the dosages that uh, a pro takes mm-hmm. and what's achievable with half a gram of of gear and i think hopefully we're seeing a shift i know the last 10 years mm-hmm. we had the rich pianas and the boston mm-hmm. lloyds uh really pushing the envelope but then again boston lloyd is in really poor health rich mm-hmm. piana sadly is rest in peace um mm-hmm. You know, the Dow- Dallas McCarver, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are wising up and, and realizing that, um, you know, it's it's not worth it. And and you got to be a little more educated about what you do. And I think, too, a lot of them have noticed. I know Boston now, he's still using it a little bit, but he said he feels just as good using it a little bit now. And well, like I said, I've mentioned the story where I helped the guy get ready for a show once. And sometimes I don't like helping people. I'm like, oh, that's putting the pressure on me. If they don't do well, I feel bad because I'm the one that they came to. So, I just gave him his diet and training and then he wrote me back asking, could I he was going to go do the NABA worlds and that he competed before. And he asked me about the gear. I said, look, when it comes to gear, look, I've, I've lived, had pros live with me. I've hung around pros. I've never discussed gear because I'm one of those people. I don't care what they take. What works for them might not work for me. I had this little bit that I use. I find works for me. I just stick to that. So I said, listen, I don't know. I never read those steroid handbooks. So I fucking, I wouldn't have a clue because I have young kids say to me, Lou, what do you think? I'm like, what the fuck's that? Oh, you know, it's this drug. I said, I don't know because I'm not that interested in the drug side of it. It's like, yes, when I get ready for shows, I'd use it just to maintain the muscle and recover quicker and stuff from the dieting and all the cardio I did. But yeah, so he asked me about the drug side. I said, look, I can send you what I did. If you want to follow that, do it. So I sent it to him and he wrote me back 10 minutes later. He's like, are you fucking with me? He goes, that's not enough. I said, listen, <laughs> if you trust me with the diet and you trust me with the training, I said, trust me with that. That's what I used. Use that. There was no growth involved. There was no nothing. So he did it. He went over. He won the world championship. And he said, Lee, that's the best I've ever looked and the best I've ever felt. And it was probably a quarter of what he took years previous. And that's the thing. It's like this mentality of, well, if 300 good, I'll take 600. That'd be twice as good or this and it's going to be more. It's like, cause I talked to a lot of kids overseas but when I do the seminars and if I said, look, I take 400, let's say I was using SUS 250 and I took two meals, there's 500 milligrams. That's if it's SUS 250, sometimes it's probably underdosed or whatever, but let's just say between four and 500 there, where if I took Decker and I took 300, 200, 300 a week, they're like, huh? Oh, you're lying. I said, why would I lie? I said, look, if I t- took 10,000 milligrams, I tell you, I don't give a shit if you know what I take. I've always been honest. That's what I said before. I said, look, if I went to a fucking big swingers party and the guy sucked my cock, I'd say, look, a guy sucked my cock. I don't give a shit about anything in my life. If he asks me a question, I'm going to give you the answer. Because to me, I don't give a shit if you know about anything about me. So they're like, well, because in their mind, and I come to find out, they're taking like 2,000. So in their mind, they're thinking, I'm taking 2,000. He's three times as big as me. And he's fucking taking 400 bullshit. He's got to be taking more because he's bigger than me. But yet I said, they forget about the genetics the sleeping, the eating, the consistency of the years I've been doing it. Because I've been doing this now over 35 years. And in those 35 years, I was sitting down the other day thinking about it. Like if I traveled the world, you might take a day or two off because you're traveling 24 hours on a plane. When I had my neck operation last November, I took probably five, six days off. You know, little things like that. If I add up the days I took off due to either being sick or traveling, I'd probably total six to seven months total of days in, in like 35 years so it's like you know it's all about being consistent see that's in like this whole thing with is michael hearn natty like i know michael hearn 
I've never seen him take anything. To me, it's like when I looked at him from when he was young to now, he hasn't gone from this to all of a sudden this big freak. He's been consistently pretty much the same size and the same strength. As he's got older, we see as people get older, muscle maturity, the muscle looks different and shit. So people can say, oh, well, now he's taking trend because look at him, he's getting drier and this. But look at the years of consistency training day after day after day after day. And that's one of the main things it is. It's just consistency, just doing the hard work day in, day out, year after year after year. But people don't want to do that anymore. They want everything's got to be instant. Someone sends you a message. They want to fucking reply instantly. It's like all my notifications on my phone, I've said it before, it turned off because I control my phone. It doesn't control me. My wife would be like, I tried to call you. I'm like, hold on. Oh, yeah, you did too. Because i got friends that every time a notification goes off on their phone, they've got to look at it. What was that? What was that? Or someone just liked the picture. It's like, it'll drive me fucking mad. So I have friends that text me and I could be sat at the gym or just go for a walk. By the time I get back, there'll be six messages. Hey, Lee, what are you doing? Lee? Lee, what are you up to? Next one. Have I done something <laughs> wrong? Have I done something wrong? Why aren't you answering me? It's like, because I'm fucking doing something, dickhead. I'm like, I've got a fucking life. I'm not going to sit here waiting for your... But everyone wants everything so instant today. And sadly, that's what it's like even with bodybuilding. They want to go to the gym, do bicep curls. And I get a lot of time. Lee, what do you do for arms? I want my arms to grow big. I'm like, okay, how long have you been training? Oh, four months. I'm like, well, maybe train for another couple of years and then see how they go because they think that's just going to balloon up. Even if they take drugs, they think they're going to balloon up. And I've always told people, if you have the genetics and the mind powerful, I think the main thing you're going to use in this sport is up here and in here, your heart and your mind are going to be the main things that give you that drive and determination to get through hard workouts, the diets, like I said, the consistency day after day and doing it, just that lifestyle. And I said to people, if you never touch the drug in the beginning and you have the genetics and you train right, you eat right, and you rest, I say, you'll build muscle naturally if this is what your body's meant to do. It's like, you know, some kids can pick up a basketball and they're just naturally gifted or a golf club or something. Everyone has something that they're good at. And if you're good at weight training, you'll know it straight away. So, you know, taking all the drugs in the world, you know, I see so many kids, you know, trained at goals or even now that go into the gym year after year, they look the same and they're pumping all the gear in. So it's not working. I'll take more. I'll take more. And all they're doing is internal damage. It's like, hey, listen, maybe you're not meant to be a bodybuilder, but they don't want to hear that. It's like I've mentioned before how I've got friends that on the weekend or during the week, they go play tennis, but they do it for fun. They do it for exercise because they enjoy it. They're not saying they're going to go take on the dial next week or next year, become a professional tennis player. Or I've got friends that play golf, but they're not saying, oh, next year I'm going to be in the PGA and take on Tiger Woods and stuff like that. It's like, they do it for fun, but for some reason, everyone that goes into the gym thinks they're going to be Mr. Fucking Olympia and build muscle. It doesn't happen. But so I'm not saying don't go to the gym. I'm saying, but look, just go to the gym, train hard. If you build muscle and you can compete, great. But if you can't, just go for fitness, enjoy it, work out. You might just get a nice type of physique. You might not get this big freaky muscle, no matter how much drugs you take. But sadly, a lot of guys don't want to hear that. They all think if I lift weights and take drugs, I can be this big freak. And sadly, they'll do anything to try get there. And then half the time they're just doing damage to themselves. And yeah, it'd be nice if everyone could be big and muscular, but then also too, it's nice to have a long, healthy life and have like, mm-hmm. you know, be healthy and have longevity rather than, you know, here these young kids, well, take another gear, you'll die. Well, I'll die big. It's like, well, who, who the fuck wants to die young and big? It's like, I'd rather die old and maybe in my bed and shit in my pants and making someone clean it up. So that'd be, that'd be my, <laughs> that'd be my way of going. So, you know, 
I feel like I once that's had a, somebody in the gym. Sorry, I, I feel like that's a huge issue right right now. Is just like the the instant gratification. It's like everything's uh-huh. at our fingertips, and also on top of that, we always see overnight successes. We don't see all the hard work that someone puts in to get to uh-huh. where they've get where they've gotten. And yeah. people are like, oh, it just happened overnight. Like th- this uh-huh. is their last post, their last post, they were tiny. And then all of a sudden they're uh-huh. huge. It's like, oh, it happened overnight. So I can go do it overnight. It's like, that's, that's not what this is. It's not, it's not what uh-huh. this is. It's, it's all fake. This is all fake. It's all exactly. instant gratification and, and just the, exactly. the highlights. It's a highlight reel. Uh-huh. It's not, it's not real. Uh-huh. It's like, and then, like you said, and half, and half the pictures have been touched up. The stories yes, are made yes. up. And yes. it's like, you can't believe half the shit you see on there. And then it's like I said, how many girls have we seen? Or even guys at Expos, I've seen them. And I'll be like, oh, someone go, that's that guy. And I said, who? And then they go, here, I'll show you on the Instagram. And I look at the Instagram page and I'm like, I'm like what the fuck? It doesn't even look like him. I'm like, you know, and then some of the women too. It's like, I look at some of them. I'm like, oh, Jesus, that doesn't look like her either. But it's like, yeah, but everyone just, like I said, everyone, everyone just wants to be famous or everyone just wants, like I said, that instant gratification. Whereas, Back in my day, we just had the magazines that would come out. We'd just train. And I got into the sport, too, because I loved it. I never got into it saying I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. Back then, because I did like He-Man, I wanted to look like He-Man. And things just sort of fell into place. It's like, like, when, I got into the, it's like when I got into the drag racing. I had a couple of fans that were in the racing. They said, are you interested in car racing? So I did like some road racing and won that. Did some circle track racing and super late models and won that. Then got into the drag racing and... My first year in that, I got rookie of the year and third in the championship. Then the following year, I won the championship drag race. And I just find if you do anything in life, if you love it and have a passion for it and it's fun and you enjoy it, you'll do well at it. You know, it's like anything. If you think, oh, fuck, I've got to go to work today. I hate this job and shit. Well, you're never really going to push yourself to succeed and it'll be the best you can in it. I always say, find a job you like, you know, but sometimes this day and age, it's hard to change jobs. So some people, People are stuck in a job they don't like at the moment because finding extra work's hard. But if you are going to do anything, like oh, I find something that I, that I said you enjoy and you have the passion and drive that where, okay, it's work, but yet you enjoy it so much you love doing it. It doesn't seem like work. And I always find if you can find something like that to do in life, you're always going to do well at it. And that's what I did with like the bodybuilding, the drag racing and stuff like that. I just, it was just fun. I just did it for fun and then doing it for fun turned into something else. So. One part that, that I loved about what, what you did, Lee, with your career is that you, you often mention, especially in your book, too, from what I read, is that you mentioned um, when your, your parents split, your grandpa Owen was there for you. And he taught you and your sister, Kelly, uh-huh. a lot about honesty. And like, if you ever uh-huh. made a mistake, like your mom and uh, your grandpa Owen would just want you to, to own up to it. So yeah. is that where that, that passion came from? Because like at that point, you were, you were into like uh, a little bit of archery, magic tricks and karate. So like, was it mm-hmm. the race that made you successful and so outspoken and honest as a uh, upcoming and pro bodybuilder? I think so. Cause I was taught, you know, I think the one time I lied, I think my mum belted me that hard. She got the belt out, the wooden spoon and everything else. So I was like, whatever she could find in the cupboard, I got hit. I got hit with it. <laughs> like, so that's so she goes, look, just never, never lie to me. She goes, look, I don't care what you've done. If you're honest with me, we can, you know, work it out. If you did something bad, just be honest, you know, whatever. Don't just don't lie about it. So from that point on, I've always told the truth. And then, like I said, doing interviews, I'll talk about stuff in my family. I'll talk about this or even 
if I was in a relationship in America with a girl and that's something I get a phone call from my mum. Remember that honesty thing I said? Maybe you don't have to be quite quite that honest, but it's like, hey, look, I've always been, I've always said to myself, look, I'm an open book. I'm not one of these people where if I did something crazy, like say when I mentioned before, joke around about going to a sex party, if something happened and a guy was touching me or something and someone saw that, they'd be like, hey, Lee, I saw what that guy did to you at such and such. I'm going to tell people. I'd be like, oh, go ahead. I already said the interview. I'm one of those people that I'll put it out there so no one can ever have anything over my head saying that, well, I know this about you, Lee. I'm going to tell people. I'll say, oh, go tell them. It's like, you people come up sometimes still now and things ago, oh, your father's gay, blah, blah. I'm thinking, well, you know, I've been telling people my father's gay in interviews for years and years and years. I said, I'm proud of my father. I got no, I'm not ashamed of my father. He's been with his partner now for probably 38 years. He's been in the same relationship. I said, doesn't bother me if he's gay. What's it got to do with anything? Oh, you're going to be gay just like him. I'm like, oh, well, it's a bit late for that. You know, like, well, I've been married five times. I can't say I'm successful at that sometimes, but maybe if I did turn gay, I would have, would have skipped a lot of marriages. So it would have been a lot easier for me. So. I think finding partners would have been a lot easier because, you know, guys are, I mean, let's admit guys are just uh, more eager, but um, yeah, that was one thing that, that inspired, that really impressed me about you Lee growing up was the honesty and you had to put up with your, your parents splitting up and your, your father um, being gay and your school, your schoolmates knowing about it. And they shit, I mean, that must've like really showed you who your, your real friends were at school. Cause uh-huh. some were like, Ew, you have gay germs, stay away. Like that was, that's uh-huh. so messed oh, up, yeah. but no, you get the old um, like father, yeah. like father, like son type, you know, or like father, like son, you're going to be like your dad. But yeah, my true friends are okay with it because even when they'd come visit, because I remember being young, you'd have your mates, you'd have sleepovers. So when I was younger, I just thought that was my dad's mate sleeping over. I didn't put two and two together like, oh, he's gay. I just thought it's his buddy sleeping over. And then when I found out, when my mum told me, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. He's still my dad. So it doesn't bother me. It's like, doesn't change your years as a person. So yeah, and then I said, my true friends, that didn't bother them because, you know, it's just like, that's what they did behind closed doors. It's like, shit, you know, I'm with my wife and, you know, some girlfriends I've had in the past. If people knew what I did behind closed doors, trust me, that's worse than what any gay person probably does behind closed doors. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think if we do a Lee Priest interview, we have to come to this question. I've heard this story before, um, but could you talk about the events that led up to you deciding to, uh, well, give up on, not make, give, maybe give up on it. You got released from the IFBB and your contracts and uh, like uh, your, your personal convictions and you being true to yourself and, and how, you, how that all came to, to be. Uh, well, I mainly just gave up on like the main biggest contract I gave up on was when I was with Muscle Tech. I had a pretty good three year deal with them. And they, in the beginning, when I signed with them, they promised more. But because it was near the end of the year, they said, Look, if you do well next year, we'll increase your money, increase your money. I'm like, That's cool. Okay. So the following year, I'd won a pro show and did well. And I said, Okay, it's time for the contract renewal. Are we going to increase it? And their answer was, Do you have that in writing? I said, no, I took it your word because coming from Australia and being raised by my grandfather, that to me, it was like, if you gave me your word in a handshake, I'll take that any day over 
a signature on a piece of paper. Once, once you've said, shook my hand and said, okay, Lee, we agree to this. Okay, that's, that's your word. I'm, I'm going to agree. So, but then they lied about that. And then they started bringing out like the Celtech products and the hydroxy cut. And I'm like, look, this product's shit. But then the magazine comes out. Lee Pree says, this is the best product ever. So I do seminars or interviews. I'd say, I've never used it. I think it's shit. I tried it. I didn't like it. You can't go saying that. I said, why not? I said, listen, I said, look, I understand you're paying me. That's great. But you're not going to pay me to lie to people because I said, I've never lied. I was taught not to lie. I said, even though you're paying me, I said, I'm not going to lie to people because even because I know what it's like when you're younger or whatever. If you're young, you got to ask your mum and dad for money to buy proteins or pre-workouts and stuff like that. Or even if you've got a girlfriend or you've got a wife, sometimes when you go to buy fucking pre-workouts and protein powders, you get, do you really need that? Why are you wasting your money on that? They can go buy fucking shoes and handbags. But as soon as you want a protein powder, you get the bloody third degree from the missus. So I'm just like, look, people work hard for their money. If I tell them this is the best ever and they go buy it and it's shit, they're going to be like, fuck that Lee Priest. I'm never going to believe a thing he says again. So I said, you're not going to think so. I had a three-year contract. And after eight months, I said, look, I want out. They said, we'll take you to court. I said, look, take me to court. I say your product shit there too. I don't give a shit. So they finally let me go and stuff like that because I just wasn't going to be with a company. I've been to actually a few companies now that have had shit things like that. And I've left them to go, go on to smaller companies. And, you know, because I said, look, I'd rather take less money and be with a company where I believe in the product rather than get double the amount of money and mm. then try sell people shit. Because like I said, I just don't believe in doing that to people when, like I said, working hard for your money, you work hard for it, you just don't want to go waste it on products and, and that's why even now with mental hamster, mm-hmm. like they have a great test booster, which is called Pure Alpha. People go, why are you pushing test boosters? You know, they don't work. And I agree in the beginning, back years ago, a lot of the test boosters were shit. But these Pure Alpha ones, look, I can guarantee they work. All my mates that have tried and work, they actually work too good because they're one of those test boosters that a couple of times I've been out in the coffee shop with the missus and you get these erections that just pop up out of nowhere. And if you're at a coffee shop and she says, let's go, let's go, let's go now. I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> it's like, I can't get up just yet. Can we just sit here and have another piece of cake? So it's like. <laughs> Can we flip over the table? Stuck right here. <laughs> so like, yeah, Sounds like a uh, great problem. That was, uh, I was one of those kids. I was one of those kids buying the hydroxy cut and the cell tech. So I, I appreciate you not, uh, you're not endorsing it. I, I was, uh, yeah. I didn't hear your message though. I got, I got bamboozled. Yeah. yeah because when they, they actually bring out products too. And I'd get mad at them because I bring out one or two products. They wouldn't even tell me. And then I'd be like, say I had to go to Canada or somewhere else. I'll be at a seminar and someone goes, Hey, Lee, what do you think of that such and such product? I'm like, what product? The one you're in the ad for, the one you're talking about saying it's great. I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't tried it. So I'd get back and call up and say, what the fuck are you doing? Put me in ads for a product that you've never even sent me saying that I'm saying it's a great product when I haven't even fucking tried it. I said, that's fucking bullshit. So I'd get mad at them when they do shit like that too. I was like, if you're going to bring out a product, at least send it to me to try it. So I know what it is, what it tastes like if it works or it doesn't work type of thing. And, you know, it's the same thing with the IFBB when I eventually went to the PDI and everyone's like, oh, Lee's just given the IFBB to bird. It's like, no, I'm not. I've been with the IFBB for 15 years. I've been competing with the same people for 15 years, the same judges. Wayne Demilio was starting a new organization where he was going to go back to judging more for the classic look, the lines and stuff, getting away from the bloated look. 
And I just wanted to change, compete against new, fresh people and stuff like that. So I went, I signed on to do the first two shows. One was in New York, one was in England. And then Bob Ciccarello's like, well, you're going to get banned in that. But they said, if you don't do the one in England, we'll only give you a 12-month ban, not a two-year ban. And I said, no, look, I said, I can't. I signed on for both. The people in England have brought tickets. They're expecting me. So I'm going to go to England. And this is my exact words to Bob were, because Bob's like, I tried to help Lee out, and he just shoved it in Mannion's face and threw it in the IFBB's face. I said, my exact words were, look, tell Jim Mannion, thank you very much, but I've signed on to do these shows. I'll just take the two-year suspension. It's fine because I'm going to go do this. So I did that, but the two-year suspension, and then John Romano and I started. We had the, I was sponsored by VPX after that. We had the shotgun show, and on there, we'd talk about the good, the bad, and anything. You know, if someone asked about a contest and it was good, would say it was good. If the judging was shit, would say it shit. Well, they didn't like that. So then I was meant to go to, I think it was Sweden or somewhere like that. The flights were booked, accommodation was booked. I was going over to do a seminar at an IFBB show. Then the promoter called me back and goes, well, I can't have you. I just got word that if I bring you here, they're going to take the sanction off me and suspend all the athletes because you're being banned for life. So that's how I found out I was banned for life nice. by the IFBB. And the thing was, too, Bob knew I was banned for life. He even talked about it in other things. It was only like a year or two ago, Bob was like, the IFBB never banned Lee for life. And then I'm thinking, are we in fucking all different universes here, parallel fucking universes, Bob? was like, what the fuck? It's like, <laughs> you knew they banned me for life. Okay, now that, now that the IFBB have split in two different directions, yes, the IFBB you're with now hasn't banned me for life. That was the one when they were all together before Raphael and them did this big split, whatever the fuck that was, whoever can understand that. But yeah, so yeah, like I said, I've always just told the truth about stuff. But to me, it's like I'm the type of person I love training no matter what. I didn't get into it for the money. Well, you wouldn't get into it for the money anyway. Okay, you can make okay money back in the day with contracts and competing, but it was never a money thing. I just loved the sport. But I had normal jobs beforehand. I used to service fire equipment like sprinkler systems, extinguishers. I'd clean factories at night from like 10 p.m. at night to three in the morning. I'd work at gyms and live out the back of a gym. So to me, having a normal job didn't bother me at all. So if I never was under contract, I'd still have a normal job and train. Whereas some guys, they just get into it for the money. But they said there's not really any money in the sport, but not as much as there used to be anyway, unless you're one of the top guys. So it was never a money thing with me. So me getting suspended or not competing with the IFB, I'm like, well, that's fine. I can still train brain i don't guess i was like you know some people go oh my god i i can't do this and that's what i hate about the athletes back then or even sometimes now backstage that all complain bitch about the judge and that bitch about the way they're treated and i'd tell them i say listen the mr olympia is the biggest show they've sold out the tickets people have come from all over the world the sponsors are here when we have the athletes meeting the night or two before why don't we just say listen you know i understand promoters have to make money that's fine but let's just say listen we just want this this and this why can't we have a few little demands to make it easier for the guys who are putting on the show like us you know i said because without us they don't have a show if we all stood together and said listen if we don't get this this and this we're not walking on stage tomorrow night they wouldn't cancel the show because everyone's there they've sold the tickets they're not going to cancel the show i said we have the power if we all stick together but sadly Everyone and their fucking egos are too into themselves and they're like, oh, I'm not, not going to do that. It's like, so I don't do it. I'm the one that gets suspended. Everyone's like, uh-huh. Most some guys are like, good, Lee's out. I move up a place. So 
there was just no unity there. Everyone was just looking out for themselves where it's like that even now in anything in life. We mm -hmm. see these little minority groups causing problems where I'm like, my wife always says, why don't you shut up? Because when I see stuff on TV, I'm like, this year when it comes tax time, I'm like, why doesn't every Australian not pay their taxes? She goes, well, as if they're not going to do it. But could you imagine if every Australian said, fuck you to the government, we're not filling out a tax form, we're not going to pay our taxes until you fucking start doing right by the people? I said, what are they going to do? Fine every Australian? Then what? We don't pay the fine? You're going to throw every Australian in jail? No. People have the power if we all fucking unite and stand together. But the government and the media are so good at fucking dividing people lately that no one stands together anymore. And sadly, we're all just fucking divided. Neighbours don't talk to neighbours. I remember when I was young, everyone knew everybody in the street. Now people can live next door to someone for 10 years and don't even know their neighbour. So it's pretty sad the way it's gotten. And sadly, that's what it was like in bodybuilding. And now it's getting like that in the real world. Though. People just don't want to unite and stand together because people in numbers do have the power if we all fucking stood together. Yeah, like the, back in the day, you know, you would uh, work out at Golds and eventually you went to Worlds for a while. And um, uh -huh. there was more of a team environment at, uh, at Worlds. And you, you thought the Golds environment at that time, like you're you were being kind of targeted and there's some some um I don't know well, there's kind of like animosity to golds or it was just like distracting yeah, I just there. Didn't like, yeah, I just didn't like the egos, you know, where people would walk in like, oh, I'm such and such and I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, look, to me it's like when people I would still even today I find it weird, and even back then, even weirder when people would be like, Oh my god, you're Lee Priest, you're Lee Priest. Because to me, I just see myself as Lee. I'm a guy that loves going to the gym, I'm a dickhead, I I'm like a larrikin. I fool around. I have fun. I'm no one special. I'm just a guy that loves going to the gym. Okay, I had a good physique and had a pro card. That's great, but that doesn't make me any better than you. You know, I was just lucky enough to get a pro card, but I'm no better than you. You go to the gym. You love to train. So when I was like in goals, you're like, I need to use that piece of equipment. And I'm like, no, fucking have it. Because to me, I've always said, yeah, I'm getting ready for the Ironman Pro Show. Or am I getting ready for the Mr. Olympia, if you're on the piece of equipment and you just want to build your chest up or if there's a lady that just wants to lose 20 pounds, I don't have any more right to that equipment than you. So it's like, why am I going to go kick somebody they're off? Paying, they're paying for the membership. Exactly. So people, you get all these pros that think I'm a pro bodybuilder, get out of my way. I'm like, oh, get fucked, dickhead. You're just an idiot. So, but yeah, it's like to me, I'm just a normal person that went to the gym. And that's why when there's so many egos in goals, I went down the world and I got on great with Joe Gold. He was sort of like my adopted grandfather and Arnold would be there, Lou Frigno, there was no music. Everyone could joke around and had fun. So yeah, I just preferred it down there. It was like like almost in the old days of pumping iron, even though they're older now, but it was just like that camaraderie mm -hmm. between everyone. There was no egos involved. People just went there to train, tell old stories, sit in the office and stuff like that. Whereas down at Gold's, it was almost like, Look at me, look at me. Who's looking at me? Let me scream, throw some weights down. Or there's a photographer. Your, your, see if your I nickname was uh, your nickname was Fappler, right? Yeah, from Joe Gold. Yeah. At at World Gym, it was <laughs> at World Gym, it was Fat Boy. Probably down at Gold's Gym, it was like, oh, there's that dickhead, there's that cunt. I probably had a few, had a few more nicknames down at Gold's Gym just because people didn't like me because I just didn't play up to their bullshit. I was never an ass kisser. Like, I was one of those people where if I like you, I like you. But even if I don't like you, like say I didn't like you and you walk past me, I'd still say, hi, how are you going? I'd be polite. But I'm not one of those people who's going to be like just your friend, just to kiss ass and be nicey-nicey. Let's just say you and I were talking 
and then you left the conversation and someone else comes over and they start bagging on you, then I'm like, yeah, he's a fucking dickhead, isn't he? I've had a few friends like that who'll say they're my friend, but then if say like someone else come over and I was gone, they talk shit about me. My supposedly friend would talk shit about me too, just to fit into that group rather than say, listen, okay, you don't like him, but he's my friend. I don't have a problem with him. Everyone just wanted to fit into those groups and be accepted by everyone. Whereas like me, I'm like, hey, you like me, you like me, don't you? Don't I don't need to be accepted by anyone. It's like, hey, I am who I am. And that's I've always just been that way. So I think that's something that's kind of pulling away from from bodybuilding is is that honesty and that like the the a lot of people are trying to put up that front. They have this image mm-hmm. to uphold to the to their social media following. And if it's if it's like you're number one and then so and so's number two, you guys can't be friends. Like you're not allowed uh-huh. to you're not allowed to be civil, which is mm-hmm. which is like unheard of. Like it back in the in the pumping iron days, like sure they had their little rivalries, but like during the off season, they're they're friends. Yeah. They're like best exactly. friends. Exactly. It's just so that fun. that's it's missing. Yeah. It's missing. Yeah. But it's like that in all things in life now. It's like even, like you said before, years ago, it didn't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican or whatever. You could still be friends. Now, if you support Trump and someone does it, you're a fucking racist and I hate you. It's like you hate people just because of who they vote for now. Or it's getting so touchy these days, you can't say anything. You say anything, you're either racist or if you tell a joke or oh shit, you just offended these people. It's like cancel culture. Fucking hell. It's like walking around on eggshell. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. It's just ridiculous now, the shit that goes on. I said, you know, there's a big difference between, say, like you say something like hate speech. Okay, there's hate speech, but then there's also speech that you just hate what I said. There's a big difference between hating what someone said and actual hate speech. You know, it's a big difference between those two. But these days, it's like, I've seen comedians. I, I, like I love, like, the Jim Jeffries, even Chappelle, and some of the black comedians that do some of the funniest racist white jokes. And I laugh because I understand their jokes. Jim Jeffries from Australia, he does some of the worst jokes ever. He'll even joke about rape. And we know rape isn't a fucking oh, laughing, laughing matter. But yet in the joking sense, you'll laugh at it because it's sort of that bad. You sort of laugh. So I'm one of those people where I can distinguish between someone actually being full on hatred racist or someone just being funny and having a joke. And the thing is, too, you might not like the joke. I might laugh at it. You know, we're all different, but it doesn't mean we have to cancel everyone just because well, look at now they've got the Dr. Seuss books being cancelled because we don't like the way. But yet, if you look at Dr. Seuss himself, I think he did, I put up a post, he did like five or six books about racism, like not kids' books, but actual books on racism because he was so anti-racism. And a lot of those messages are in his children's books about what are those ones like the Skeeches or whatever it was, the yellow birds where one has a star. Stars. Yeah. but And in the whole end of that, the moral of the story is it doesn't matter what you have or this or that. We're all equal. We're all the same. It doesn't matter if some people, those bird things had the star on them. It's like he had all those messages in there saying how everyone's equal. We're all the same, even if we look different or we're different. But yet now they're doing that. The guy from The Simpsons that did over 100 voices because he did the Black Doctor's voice, he's been cancelled. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, but yet he's a white guy he's done over 100 voices but because he's doing the black doctor's voice he gets fired but yet bart simpson's done by a woman why isn't she fired to me you're firing a white guy because he's doing a black voice isn't that racism because you're firing him because he's white it's like that's just so mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous this whole little like i said the way it's going now is just even like i said when you look back at 
I felt so bad. Was it a year or two ago with his seven-year-old girl? Uh, we have grown adults. I mean, grown adults who should know better. Were like, they talk about bullying online. They just ridiculed this little seven-year-old because for Halloween she went as Pocahontas. She was like a white girl, but yet she put tanning on, like the same tanning products we use for bodybuilding pretty much. Yep. Because she wanted, to, she wanted to look like Pocahontas. And these people are just ridiculing. She's racist. She's this, she's that. I'm thinking, she's a fucking seven-year-old girl who wants to be Pocahontas, for God's sake. She's not thinking racism or anything like that. I'm thinking these are the same people where, was it a year or two ago, David Beckham was with his daughter and he gave his daughter a kiss. And then everyone's online. That's disgusting. You should never be kissing your daughter on the lips or doing this, doing that or something. As I said, listen, I said, if you see a loving father holding his daughter's hand or giving her a kiss, showing her affection, and in your mind, you're thinking something sexual or pedophilia about that. I said, you're the one with the fucking issue and not him. But that's where your mind goes straight away when a parent is showing their kid affection and your mind goes to the gutter. You have the fucking issue. It's like, I, I can say stuff that people might get offended by. People say, Lee, you should apologize. I say, but no, it's like that whole thing I did with the Sean Ray black mask thing I put on. And people like, Lee was being, yeah, Lee's being blackface. I said, blackface is when they do the old like minstrel show, you know, like the mammy and the big red lips and the white hands. And I said, no, I was being a character. I put on a, just like in the movie White Chicks, they put on white masks. I put on a black mask doing a character. And the ones that are saying I was racist said, listen, I'll explain it. I was being a character. I was being Sean. I had a mask on. I was not having a go at a race. I was having a go at Sean. Happened to be black. If I just put on sunglasses, you'd probably just think I was Greg Valentino or someone, you know, to be that character. Mm -hmm. I have to look a bit like him. So once I've explained that to you now and you know I wasn't being racist, end the discussion. Stop trying to fucking go down this path and make it into something that it's not. It's that simple and it's like i said dave did a little apology thing but it's like let's just say out of 100 people 90 people got it 10 got offended so if i go out now and i apologize and i give this big apology that 10 is going to be happy but let's just say now in my apology 20 other people just got offended by something i said in the apology I said you're never going to fucking please everybody and like yeah. everyone just going to jump up and down as long as i know there's no intent on it that way it's like these people that you can say something to someone, then they get into a fight or someone shoots someone and murders someone. They go, he made me do it. No, no one makes you do anything. I can be insulting if I want to be insulting to someone and call you every name under the sun. It's like the old sticks and stones. If someone says shit to me, I just walk away. Yes, I could get into a fight and say, but if I get into a fight, that's on me because I chose to. I can't say he made me get into a fight just because he called me names. You have to be accountable for our own actions. And these days, People just don't want to be accountable. It's like, well, he made me do that. No, no one makes you do anything. You chose to do it. Your actions, you know, they can call you names. They can do whatever. So it's like how you choose to deal with it, that's on you. And the best way is just to walk away. Don't pay attention. But, yeah, these day and age, the whole, oh, it's their fault. It's their fault. No one wants to, you know, I don't want to be accountable. And sadly, like I said, there is a lot of mental illness going around these days. But the, I know here in Australia, if anyone commits a crime or commits a murder, the mental illness now is like the get out of jail free card. It's like, well, I had mental illness. I got this. I got that. My mum smacked me when I was little. That's why I'm this way now. It's like, come on, own up. Own up to what you fucking did. You know, we all have fucking problems. It's like, you know, someone kills 20 people and they're like, oh, he has mental issues. I'm like, you think? It's like, you know, fucking normal Jeez. people don't kill. Normal normal people don't kill 20 people. So, yeah, he had mental issues. I'm, I'm just going to punish Exactly. <laughs> I have a personal question because, like, 
I, I really admire your career and um, being able to go up the ranks. I mean, you won the, the, the NSW finals of 14. Like, I will admit, like, I started at age uh, 12 working out with weights uh-huh. and working out, you know, doing the usual curls in the mirrors. And uh, now I'm 27, and uh, I haven't competed in, like, five or six years. I'm going to uh-huh. enter classic physique. And uh-huh. I know that you don't believe in coaches. And recently I, I've had some trouble, you know, being able to afford a coach. Um, and I want to do a show this year because I, I really want to uh-huh. do a show. I, just like you, it's my passion. What would, how would you recommend go about me, me going about that? Because right now I'm making a lot of progress. And if I could do a show in uh, May or June, that would be like right uh-huh. on point. Well, I always find when I say like in the beginning, I always tell people in the beginning, if you're just new to the sport, yes, it's good to have someone maybe show you the basic exercises, maybe give you the basics on how to diet and how to train. And because really when you come down to it, it's pretty basic lifting weights, you know, pick them up, put them down, pressing, curling. When it comes to dieting off season, pretty much eat what you want. If you want to bulk up when it comes Mm -hmm. to dieting, we all know chicken breast, rice, salads, oatmeal, egg whites and stuff like that but it, to me it was always trial and error i take notes write it down but the main thing is too i just find today people don't have that self-belief just believe in yourself that you can do it like you said you look good now from what i can see if you're making good progress just have that belief in yourself and then i always say just have a good sort of support group whether it be your family or a good training partner someone that's honest with you so when you are dieting and you say how am i looking they can say okay you maybe need a bit more on your shoulders because like let's just say you came to me and said lee can you help me I went, okay sure i could give you a training program which i'm sure you i can tell you know how to train so i could probably just give you like bit. whatever yeah i can tell you know how to train like if i gave you chest i could give you dumbbell presses incline flat incline flies i'm sure it's stuff you've already done so i could change the orders or say change the reps but i'm sure you've done that i could give you a diet but then when i give you a diet to me, it's just going to be a guessing game. And I could give you a diet and drug program. So then I'm going to wait two weeks and go, how are you feeling? You could be like, well, I'm a bit down in energy, this and that. Okay, increase the carbs a bit. So you increase the carbs. Okay, I feel good now. How are these drugs making me feel? I feel full, this and that. Okay, well, maybe cut this one out. It's like, it's all stuff you can do yourself. People just need to believe in themselves. I think people just get lazy and they're mm-hmm. looking for someone to sort of hold their hand. But like I said, if you've got a good support group and a training partner, someone that's honest with you, you can, you can do it yourself, and that's the main thing. I, I try and tell people, you don't need these gurus out there who are saying, I can do this. Because to them, like I said, he doesn't know your body better than you do. You know, but because you're going to him, and like I said to him, he's just going to start bouncing ideas back and forth. How do you feel eating that? You tell him, okay, change this. How do you feel taking that? Okay, he'll change that. I said, it's all stuff you can do yourself. As I said, it's just a matter of believing in yourself and being honest with yourself that, you know, Look at these guys who have these gurus now. And I've always wondered, I watched Fuad's podcast where Ian's on there. And Ian, like I said, trained his brother-in-law, Chris Bumstead. And, you know, Chris, this was probably the mm-hmm. best he looked. Chris put on all that extra little bit of size. His conditioning was better. He won the yeah. Classic Olympia. But yet, I'm like, well, why does Ian go to this Patrick guy? Ian just got Chris in the best shape of his life at Olympia. Why the fuck can't you get yourself in shape? That's why I see these people who they'll train 50 people or let's say 30 people. They'll train bodybuilders, fitness girls, maybe classic guys, physique guys, and they can get them in shape. But when they come to do a show, they go to somebody else. I'm like, how can you get all these people in shape but you can't get your fucking self in shape? To me, it's like if say you came to me and I was training 50 people, 
and, and you came to me and then I said, I'm getting ready for a show now and you see me go see a guy called Peter. If I was you, I'd be like, you know what? If Lee trusts that guy, Peter, fuck Lee, I'm going to go see Peter. I'd be like, well, why? It's like, I don't understand how they can't get himself in shape because Ian, like I said, he got Chris in the best shape of his life. If you can do that to Chris, you can do it to yourself. But they just don't seem to either have this self-belief or mm-hmm. sometimes when I watch their podcast and they say, oh, yeah, I'm doing this squat now patrick has me do no i'm not picking on patrick i'm just saying patrick because he trains him so but i'm just saying they said patrick says do this for my outer quad well you know ian or james from england you've been training long enough if you need outer quad you know what to do if you need a bit more cap on your side delts you know to do some more side delt work whether it be from the side or maybe a bit back here and stuff like that we all know what to do but for some reason it's like I tell the story when Paul lived with me and I'd ask Paul Dillette, why do you go to Chad Nichols? I said, Paul, you're a fucking freak. You know what to do. Paul just told me, he goes, Lee, I'm lazy. He goes, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about what I have to eat for breakfast or lunch. Mm. He goes, if if you went to my fridge on there, it'd be Paul's diet, breakfast, in between snacks, this and that. He goes, I just want to look at that and know what to eat. I don't want to have to think about it. So he just said, Lee, I'm lazy. I'd much rather someone just tell me how to do it. He goes, I know how to do it, but I'd rather someone just tell me. So yeah, it's just a matter of believing in yourself, trial and error, take notes, just write down what you ate that day, how you felt, how you looked. And that's the, that's the best way to do it. It's the best way to learn, you know, because like I said, going to somebody who doesn't know your body, like I said, all of these is just going to be a guessing game. And then that's why you see some of these gurus, they'll get it right. They won't get it right. And half these gurus, like I said, that would train somebody like Ian or James or, the Ronnie Coleman's, these guys, shit, my grandmother could give them a diet and training program. They'd be Mr. Olivia <laughs> because they got, they got the superior genetics. Anyone could train those guys. So when you have someone like Harney called the pro creator, you know, these guys are already pros to begin with. So it was like, you're going to create anything. So it's just, you know, I so said, I'm not coming down on them, but I just think people give too much stock to them and give them too much credit when really it's the guys doing it themselves. It's like I said, if you've got that good base at home, whether it be your family, girlfriend, wife, friends, or just your mates and a good training partner, that's really all you need. And just that honesty where they, you know, you don't, you don't want someone saying, hey, you look great. You look the best ever when you look like dog shit and get on stage and don't do well. You need them to be honest with you. Then you need to be able to take that criticism and get back to the gym and change it and make the changes that need to be made. That's the honesty, honesty thing again. I mean, I mean, my uh-huh. best my best friends are here in the, on the same podcast on Blue Collar Fitness, and like like Josh will call me out if I'm like ever doing anything like mediocre. He's like, Connor, why do you uh-huh. why are you doing that? You know, or you're not lean enough. Like I remember back in the day, you uh-huh. always like, dude, your your glutes are looking a little soggy. You should uh you should step it up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing too. And as long as you can take that criticism and use it for benefit because sometimes you can be a bit close to your friends and sometimes when your friend says that you might just blow it off like yeah whatever fuck off mate and stuff like that but <laughs> try and treat it as if what outside the gym your mates but in the gym if you're getting ready for a show that's work so try and treat it as your boss telling you something to do and you wouldn't tell your boss to fuck off so if he says listen kind of go ahead and do these side laterals but no i don't want to do them just just go do them and see what happens so you got to try and treat it like that as well and have the respect and take it as criticism not take it as like they're just having a go at you saying oh you look like shit or you need more here because sometimes i said get ready for shows one of those times where your fucking mind can go whoop whoop anyway because any little thing it's like when you're dieting your your carbs might get low or you're just mentally tired 
someone can say the wrong thing. You're like, what are you fucking talking about? What do you mean I don't look good? So as long as you can distinguish between <laughs> that type of thing, you don't start having blues in the gym. But yeah, it's just a matter of trial and error and just, just having that honesty there and having someone to push you really hard. And true, really, if you're honest with yourself, you, you know when you're in shape and not in shape until those last couple of days, because I remember those last couple of weeks, it's almost like an anorexic girl thinks she's fat. That before shows a week or two out, everyone's like, Lee, you look great. You look great. I'm like, fuck, I look shit. There's that video that pops up every now and then. I'm on the world gym balcony outside. And I got a black tank top on and black Superman shorts. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that video because the only time I ever trained in a tank top or that was when I was doing videos or photos. Otherwise, I'd just be in a T-shirt because I always hated looking at myself. And so when I took my shirt off to do that, I was like a week out and I'm like, I look like fucking dog shit. Now I've got to stare at myself while they fucking film me. I was in the worst mood ever doing that. But now when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, fuck, I look pretty good. But in my mind, you just can't see that. You know, you just sort of <laughs> get that, get down on yourself. And that's why I said, if you can control up here, that's one of the main things in this sport. It's more of a mental thing than physical thing half the time. Because, you know, the training, if you love it, it's easy. The dieting, yeah, can get boring. But still, we all love eating, whether it's clean or not. And once you get into that diet phase where you've been dieting for a while, you're that hungry, you'll eat anything anyway. So it's more of that mental thing of just pushing past the mental barrier of, yeah, one day you might look good, one day you think you look shit, but you really don't. So I said, it's just up here, if you can control that, you can do anything. And that's in anything in life, really, not just bodybuilding or fitness or anything. If you can have that passion and control and love what you do and you'll succeed at it. So That's really good advice, Lee. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I'm going to take that with me and just you know go forward and have a support group really you know, do whatever uh -huh. work, work for me going forward. So I, I really, I really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, send me, send me some pictures of when you get ready for the show. If you're not looking good, I'll say, Connor, you look like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him you have soggy glutes. He'll <laughs> <laughs> right back. Fuck you, Lee Priest. I used to like you. Go to hell. Brent Warren said I look good. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to message you at 2 a.m. I'm, I'm going to be like, hey, you up? Uh, Lee, how, how big are your arms? <laughs> Is that? I'll say, is that you, Luzuic? <laughs> I read that. That was funny. That was funny. But I'll, I'll do the city picks whenever I get uh, get dieted down. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you just, just send it to me. Like I said, I'll be honest with you. Like I said, and that's the thing too. I get, I've had criticism about that before where people have done that. And they said, what do you think of me and this? And I don't know if people from a bar or soap. And sometimes I get someone, Lee, I'm a week out. Here's my pictures. What do you think I should do? I said, mate, you're a week out. I don't want to tell you what to do now because changing a diet a week out can just make all things go to shit or even if they're a little bit out i don't want to change anything so i say listen you to me if you're three weeks out you should be a bit harder or this and that well such and such says i look good i said look you asked for my opinion whereas you will get some people who will just say mate you're looking great keep going okay you might look good but if we're talking about going into a contest you want to go in and do your best so i'd rather hear the honesty and the truth rather than you know i had a guy once write to me he says lee is it is in like you know i think doctor being a doctor or whatever takes like six years of this or whatever it's in like his fifth year his mum and dad were doctors he goes leave but i really have a passion for bodybuilding i want to be a pro bodybuilder i said well set he goes can i send you pictures i said sure he sent me his pictures and i mean like he looked like he went to the gym but you know as a pro bodybuilder never gonna happen no matter how many drugs he took i said so i was honest with him i said listen you're in your fifth year of medical school finish that off become a doctor you can have a great career i said you can still go to the gym and train you can still have a good physique. I said, but being a pro bodybuilder, 
I've been in this sport long enough now to see that, you know, this was, this is, they didn't have classic back dental physique. So bodybuilding was it. I said, you're not going to be a pro bodybuilder. He wrote back, fuck you. I'll show you blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, why'd you ask me to begin with? I'm like, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass just so you can hear what you want me to tell you. But yeah, it's like people like, Lou, you're so negative. I'm like, I'm not being negative. I'm just being honest. And I'd rather someone be honest with me because that's why I tell kids now. I say, look, Look, you've got a good physique. You might do well at a national level show or a state level, but then say you win the overall at the state, you could be good at that. But then to go to the nationals, you might never be good enough to win the overall nationals to get a pro coach. So there's all these different levels in bodybuilding that you might be good at. And then you get a kid that wins the state. He goes, I'm going to be pro. And I might say, listen, mate, you're not going to be a pro, but you're good at doing that. But then they're like, well, I'll show you. And then for years and years, like I said, they'll abuse drugs, abuse drugs and do internal damage when mate you could have just been happy at that level looking good being healthy having a job doing whatever but you're trying to push this envelope and in the end and these are the same type of people too that outside of that they don't really have a life the girlfriend or whoever or the family do want to come here i can't i gotta train or i can't i gotta eat and year after year life's going by you've messed some of the best years of your life because they're so i gotta be hardcore i gotta do this i can't you know, go out and have fun. I can't go to the movies because I got to get up and go to the gym. It's all about, you know, you got, you got to have that balance. Even though Fouad says you can't have balance, that's bullshit. You can because you can be 100% in the gym, 100% with your diet. But when you're not at the gym, yes, you can go out with the girlfriend or your mates and have fun, go fishing, do whatever. You don't need to be 24 mm-hmm. 7 bodybuilding in your head or you're just going to burn out. You need to have some other hobbies too where it's just where you relax your mind's not thinking about lifting weights 24 7 because when i was younger i did that i'd think about doing legs doing legs okay it's leg day in two days time i'd think about squats and by the time leg day come i was mentally fucked i felt like i'd already done it you know, like <laughs> shit i've been thinking about it for two days when it comes time to do it i didn't want to do it anymore because i pretty much talked myself out of it oh it's gonna hurt that's gonna be painful i gotta do heavy squats so i'd rather be out like one day fishing just having fun fishing then the next day go to the gym fuck yeah it's legs today so just just stuff like that or even the days where if it was leg day too i'd tell people that yes it might you might have your certain days set up but nothing's set in stone let's just say monday's leg day but you get to the gym and you know for legs you've got to be in that mood you've got to have that drive just say you get there and you're like you know what i just don't feel like legs today i know that if i do it i'm just going to go through the motions it's going to be a shit workout i tell people then go do chest pick another body part at random and then just go blast that body part and you'll generally have a great workout. So you don't have to always just do what's on that day. So I always just, I always trained a lot like that. When I trained with Tom Platts, he was a lot like that just instinctively. And I know a lot of my training partners would hate it because they'd be like, what are we doing tomorrow, Lee? I'd be like, we do backs and I'll turn up with the back straps, their belt and that. And I'd walk over and grab the dumbbells. Like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I decided we're doing shoulders. They're like, Oh, fuck, I've taken all my pre-workout. I was ready for heavy deadlifts. I said, well, we're doing fucking laterals now, okay? So I was like, <laughs> I just randomly picked something else. So yeah, just so I said, just be like that. You know, they said with bodybuilding, they said there's so many different programs you can do and different stuff. Or like I said, nothing's, they have to do it in order too. I get those people, I saw one the other day, even my daughter, she come to see me on the weekend and I got equipment at home and she's like, well, I need to do squats and this and that. I need a leg press. Well, I don't have a leg press. I have that sled. You can do that. I says I got to do leg press. I said, no, you don't have to fucking do leg press. You can do that sled thing over there. It's going to work your quads pretty much the same. So some people think they have to do the same exercises in order. That's why, you know, in all my years at the gym, I've never asked anyone to this day how many sets you got, because let's just say I had to do 
a pack deck machine and someone's on it. Okay, I'll go do flies. I'll come back to it. That doesn't have to be in that order. You know, there's days I might do all my fly movements first and pressing last. Then I might do a pressing, then go to a fly, then go back to a crossover, then go to a pressing. So there's just so many options you can do. So when people say, Lee, what do you prefer, dumbbells or barbells? I say, do both. Do you prefer barbell curl or dumbbell curl? I say, one workout I'll do barbell, next workout I'll do dumbbell. You know, there's no one that's better than the other. Just try them all, do them all, find what works for you and just, you know, just keep mixing it up. Personally, I hate them all. They all just hurt. <laughs> that sounds like my answer. <laughs> right? I know. Um, so there's so much you can talk about. Um, we just want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, last question You're is welcome. like, what's yeah, what, what's next on the horizon for, for you, Lee? Like, uh, what are you most excited for coming up? Uh, hoping that my neck's finally going to get better. Like I said, that last operation, November, so I've been getting back into training and the triceps starting to feel a little better. I got a letter today from the lawyer saying, oh, they've got to do something with the case 25th of March for the trial thing about that. It's, it'll be six years since the car accident. That haven't been able to train wow. super properly so that's been frustrating but i'm one of those people where i don't normally plan ahead i just wake up in the morning if i'm you know i'm happy to wife's happy the cats are happy i just take it day by day and see where it goes sometimes i'm one of those people that i know like last week i had something planned or i think in two weeks time i got to go up north for a couple of days because i'm going to put a website together just with some training stuff on and that and knowing that i've got to do that i'm like Oh shit, that week's going to be fucked. I got that planned. I hate planning shit knowing that I got to do something you know, ahead of time. It just sort of throws me off. It's like, I don't want to know I've got stuff to do. I just like to have stuff come up because as soon as I see something written on the calendar, oh, tomorrow at this, I got to do that, then go there. I'm like, oh shit. So I just, I just fly by the seed of pants, very instinctive when it comes to anything. I always, I was that way too, where I figured if I don't plan anything, then I can't be disappointed if plans don't go to plan type of thing. So, you know, I just, you know, I just, take it as it comes so every day i wake up breathing's a good day i figure you know good for me but i'm sure some people when they see me each day on live they go oh that fucker's still here so <laughs> <laughs> just knowing just knowing i'm just knowing i'm breathing ruining someone's day brings me joy i i watch it i, I watch it every now and then i'm on there about once a month <laughs> yeah i always do it if i'm just doing cardio to fill in time and People are like, Lee, why do you pay attention to the trolls on there? I'm like, oh, I'm just giving them attention, you know. They, they make it funny, so I just, you know, it's like, I just can't. Yeah. I love it. Well, Lee, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Oh, and you're the, welcome. I apologize really for, appreciate uh, it. for yes. the slight technical difficulties. Australia is yes. a, a few miles away, and, you know, things happen. Well, it's that flat earth thing. It's just, it just doesn't quite work. <laughs> and also the, the Portland right capital, you know, there's, there's a little bit of you know, chaotic internet here. That, that now, now they were peaceful protests. They weren't riots. They were, they were peaceful protests. That was, I don't know. That, that was a riot at the Capitol that Donald Trump started. Now that was a riot. All the other stuff has just been peaceful. Even though there's been fires and businesses burnt down. I know it's just, just like a couple of guys having a barbecue in the street. That's all it was. <laughs> we need a hey, we need to have a political podcast and then invite him. Oh, we'll to, yeah, bring, bring me back on for that one. We can stir people up. Only if you only if you bring your uh, your uh, your mask. I, I got, oh, 
I've even got I, I got I got a good um f- fuck Biden face mask and t-shirt. <laughs> I love or, it. Or you, you, can wear, you can wear your wig and be a uh, Leanna priest. Yeah, I got the wig over there. I got a thing, and I got another mask. Yeah, look, I haven't I haven't put this one on yet, but look, I'll show you this one. This would upset somebody. <laughs> I love this. This is I'm not awesome. sure. I'm not sure who this one will upset, but I haven't wore this one yet. If the hair was red. That could be James Hollingsworth. Hello, I'm fucking James Hollingsworth. <laughs> he looks a bit demented at the moment, but it looks better. That's going to offend all the white guys with beads in the Appalachian in America. <laughs> he looks like a fucking. There you go. Thing. Thank you for everybody from us Virginia. Isn't dead. Yeah, look at that one. I don't know who that one's going to be yet, but we'll turn, him into, we'll turn him into something. That's awesome. Comedy and bodybuilding. Hey Lee, yeah. we gotta have you back on sometime, and uh, we'll, we'll have uh, we'll have our technical get difficulties figured out next time too. 